Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. Blake, Iowa Gopher. Can't believe we have to work on a bye week. And you street. Hey y'all. Well, you know, we could not work on a bye week, but then we would get miss out on the opportunity to talk about Wisconsin doing the most un-Wisconsin thing I've ever seen and firing Paul Christ. A thing I honestly did not think would happen for a bit, much less the middle of this season. Um, we'll get to that one in a minute. Uh, first, we got to talk about football. Um, I don't think we really need to rehash the Purdue game. Uh, one, because I enjoy positive feelings in my life. Needless to say, uh, I think we can sum it up with the defense didn't play as well at times as they could have, um, but overall are not the issue. Uh, offensive line, please don't do that ever again. Mo, please be healthy. And I mean, don't drop the passes that Tanner gives you. And Tanner, don't do the bad things. I think that sums it up. Um, my big question for, uh, we'll start with you, Blake, is what do you think this does to Minnesota's chances in the Big Ten West? Uh, I mean, it definitely makes it more difficult. Um, you know, they've got an interesting stretch coming up, coming into the bye week. Through they go to Illinois, who suddenly, potentially, the cream of the crop in the Big Ten West um, for reasons beyond my understanding. And then they've got a road trip. To, to Penn State, who's undefeated at this point, and you know, open the season with the win against Purdue. Um, yeah, I mean, anytime you have a chance to win the the Big Ten West, you 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 got to take the opportunities that are in front of you, and it just feels like that that Saturday game against Purdue is one that you're going to want back. Um, maybe at the end of the year, um, you know, we look back last year on like the losses to Illinois and Iowa, and if they just flipped one of those, they they're in the Big Ten championship, but. Uh, yeah, it, I mean it's it's gonna be interesting. They make the, you know you never know what can happen. I mean I think it's a, it's isn't it a six way tie in the Big Ten West right now between everybody but Wisconsin because everyone's one and one. Um, so I mean it's any it's any team's game at this point, and you don't know like teams get better or get worse as the season goes along. So you know Illinois could stumble down the stretch and suddenly. Minnesota has a greater margin for error than they than they do now, but uh, yeah, it just makes things I think more interesting. And um, to a degree, you know, Minnesota doesn't control their destiny. They've Purdue has a bit of a soft schedule down the stretch too. So if they get hot and they can build off this, and they're contending to the Big Ten West, they've got that over Minnesota. So uh, it just complicates things. But I mean, Minnesota's not out of it by any means. I'll I'll just lay my marker down right now. I don't think Purdue has the capability of getting that hot. Um, I just I don't believe in them enough. <laughs> uh, I think I mean they, they can run they, they can run they, they can run the ball now though. Well, <laughs> and they don't even have to get that hot. They end with Northwestern and at Indiana. I mean, granted, we've seen better teams drop more stupid games than that, but um, I mean, you should you should plan if you're looking at Gophers versus Purdue. You should plan on being at least two games up by uh, by the time. You face Iowa and Wisconsin the last two games because if Purdue drops either one of no, those, I wouldn't count on it. Look, they're they're not beating Iowa in a rock fight. They're not. You think you don't think Purdue can beat Illinois? Can beat Iowa? They can beat Iowa. They're not going to. 
They but Jeff Brom has Kirk Ferentz's number every year. And I mean, I don't know if you've seen Iowa play recently. Um, Iowa is horrible. Iowa is horrible, and they're not going to lose to Purdue. That is, I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. I mean, if we're we're talking about this now, but honestly, I'm I'm really quite interested to see how Purdue does at Maryland this week because I think that could be a definite game where. Um, We've seen Maryland, you know, play relatively well so far. I could, I could see the Terps taking that one, um, you know, and then they get uh, home for Nebraska at Wisconsin the next two weeks. You hope that maybe Wisconsin has figured it out just enough to, to beat Purdue, but not enough to compete anywhere else. And so, I mean, I mean, yeah, it they've got a Purdue and then the Gophers have to beat the same teams. It's just that uh, we get Rutgers. They at home, they get to go to Maryland. And they get Indiana at home while we get, uh, we've already beaten Michigan State. So, you know, it'll come down to the each game's team or each team's game against Illinois. Both are in Champaign. Uh, both uh, Purdue and Minnesota play in Madison. Um, and we both host Iowa. So, I mean, to be brutally honest, it'll, it'll come down to probably those three games and then the crossover. The Gophers need to beat the crap out of Rutgers and we need Maryland to, to do us a solid. Yeah, I. I don't think they beat Illinois. I don't think they beat um, Iowa. I don't. I'll be flat out honest. I think Minnesota, any couple simple things. I'm not doing this as a Purdue doesn't deserve it. Minnesota played poorly. Purdue played well when they needed to play well. But an even average performance by Minnesota against the exact same performance Purdue gave wins the game by 10 points. And if that's true, if and if you're going to, if anybody is willing to agree with me on that, then that's not a Purdue team that's beating Iowa. It'll be ugly and it'll be sloppy and it'll be close and Iowa will win. And Illinois will win by two touchdowns. That's that's my stance on it. I think Purdue did what they had to do. I think their defensive line played fantastic. Even if Minnesota's offensive line plays better, I still think their defensive line played well. But no, I, no, they're not. Purdue's not the team that we have to worry about. We have to worry about Illinois. We have to worry about Iowa just doing some stupid Ferenc thing where they suck but somehow still win the division. That's, in my opinion, who we have to worry about. I think Wisconsin will lose enough games where if Minnesota's playing where they need to be playing to win the division, but Wisconsin's not a problem. I am honestly thinking the two biggest games on Minnesota's schedule are Illinois and Iowa. I mean, they're all big now because you have no room for error, but assuming they get done what needs doing, it's Iowa and Illinois. That's Those are the two games that matter to Minnesota because – those two teams will continue to win enough to put themselves as the teams that Minnesota has to beat. That's just my opinion. I don't know. I don't, uh, I think Illinois beats Iowa this weekend and then I was still got a house state on their schedule. That's that'd be three losses um, for them in the big 10. That's tough to come back from. That's there's no margin for error with that. If you're going to win the division. So I, I'm not as optimistic about Iowa being, um, I mean, there'll be a factor obviously especially down the stretch, but uh, I don't I don't think they're going to Indianapolis this year. I don't think so either, but 
I mean, for me personally, if I had to pick the two teams that are going to find a way above, I would say because the world is stupid and the the fates hate me and you more than me, apparently, because you used to live there, um, then that would be the other team. I honestly think it's Illinois. Illinois is the team that I – if if I have to pick a team that I actually think has the best chance, it's Illinois. I don't understand how exactly. Don't really care. I think Illinois is the team that Minnesota has to worry about. Street, you're being awful quiet. You gotta have you gotta have a gut feeling in there somewhere. Yeah, it was a bad loss. Like we discussed on Great Takes that it was a bad loss. It was a game that both sides decided to lose. Unfortunately, only one of you can. So in that context, yeah, it's pretty reasonable to me to believe that they have a good shot to still take the division nothing about you know nothing about that has drastically changed to me and so i think you're looking at a team that still is certainly in the driver's seat though as mentioned doesn't have margin for error in a way that it would have had had it successfully beaten Purdue. can this team win the division with two losses Assuming it, the other losses to, I'm going to say Penn State, since that has no bearing on the divisional standings. Like, the uh, uh, has no bearing on another team within Minnesota's division getting a win over them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I think he went, yeah, sure. I think he went with two losses. Yes. If, 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 if Penn State is the loss, yes. If... Iowa or Wisconsin is the loss. It depends on how it goes. I think going back to like you were saying, um, and and nobody was expecting this, that Illinois game next week is honestly pretty critical because Illinois has got Michigan State and Michigan as their other two crossover games. We've seen the Spartans. They're inherently beatable. They probably lose to the Wolverines. So... If, if Illinois beats Iowa this week, and if Illinois can beat you, and you go Illinois goes 3-0 and against Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, I mean, I think the Illini are sitting in the driver's seat. So you that Illinois game becomes massive, and, you know, we can talk about this more next week as we're getting close to it, but, I mean, there's two things ahead. There's, there's the P.J. Fleck and Kurt Shiraka get a bye week to try and get things figured out, but there's the Brett Bielema is either 8 and 0 and 9 and 0 against Minnesota has never lost to the Gophers. So, um, something's going to have to change on the 15th and uh, three of the four of us will be there to see it one way or the other, but uh, it, uh, it it's going to be a biggie. There's no doubt now. Well, I would normally argue that the thing that's changed is that he's at Illinois, but also I literally just said three minutes ago that I think Illinois is the biggest threat to Minnesota uh, of all the remaining teams on the schedule. So, And he beat us last year. I probably can't claim that. So, And yes, as you noted, he did beat Minnesota last year. I'm still willing to try to write that off as a Sanford thing. Um, Okay, well, you're bringing up Chris, or sorry, you're bringing up Bielem makes me think of Chris, and I do want to I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make us transition uh, over to to Wisconsin for a second. Uh, this is of course never gonna happen, but it would be inherently slightly humorous if the whole thing goes full circle and they just rehire 
their favorite asshole, Brett Bielema. Um, that's not going to happen. But I'm sure Brett Bielema really enjoyed uh, sending Paul Chris to an early coaching grave. Um, that Somehow I think that made him quite happy. What do you think of the move? It's certainly a bold one. Uh, do you think it's going to work out or give them any real benefit uh, over in Madison to have let Paul Chris go this early? I'm going to start with you, Street, mostly because you were the first person I can remember saying that you felt like he could be on the hot seat or was. I can't remember exactly how you stated it. But you were a little more on board with Paul Christ isn't getting the results that Madison uh, folks in Madison are going to want. Yeah, it's my Nostradamus-like personality. I think it is a consequence of the fact that signing day has changed and the money in football has changed. Paul Christ, this is of course making a presumption that as we record right now, no reason to think otherwise, that Paul Christ has not done anything that would be bad. Partially because they still paid him $11 million, which you don't normally do if you think you can fire somebody for cause. And also because it's there are many things one can say about the Wisconsin program, but I don't think anyone can say that Paul Chris somehow was running a you know, bad program in any sense. At least I haven't gotten any, any view of that. As I said when Nebraska fired Scott Frost, I think it is genuinely sad when anyone loses their job, even though in both cases I sort of expected that it was going to happen. I did not expect it was going to happen early. So what do I mean when I say the change in the season and the money? Well, the first thing is that signing day has been drastically moved up. And because signing day has been drastically moved up, if you're going to have any chance of recruiting, you need to have your coach, be that at Wisconsin, maybe it's Jim Leonard, but if it's not Jim Leonard, you need to have that person ready to go more or less at the end of the season. And the earlier you can start officially making phone calls, the better on that front. The second part, and perhaps in some sense why the money matters so much, is not just the NIL stuff, but even as a more general bit, if I'm a recruit and I've got some uncertainty in one sense, it's probably not actually going to be that much to prize me away. And unlike programs in the South, for example, Texas A&M, or Alabama, and I don't mean that from a talent perspective, I mean that from a money perspective, you can't sort of hold a recruit being like, we're going to bring in someone good, and also you're getting a lot of money. Wisconsin just doesn't have that finance, to my knowledge. So for that reason, yeah, I suspect that moves your timetable up. Wisconsin does not look very good this year, and the side of the ball that Paul Christ is supposed to be in particular taking care of has looked terrible, and they have not actually looked very good in any game against any team that was any good in about two seasons. So at a certain point, unless you're Iowa, that is the kind of coach that you look to make a move from. Oh, that's extremely true. Um, I don't know. Do we think Jim Leonard actually wins enough games to earn himself the the spot? I don't think it's a question of his win-loss record, to be honest. I think it's a question of whether or not they'd like Jim Leonard to be the coach going forward. Because if Jim Leonard wins a fair number of games, but let's say Lance Leopold is their guy, they'll go get Lance Leopold in the fall. Well, and I think that's the thing. I don't, 
I mean, maybe maybe Chris McIntosh, the Badger AD, knows what he's doing. But, I mean, to be brutally honest, what I'd love to see is I'd love to see Lee, uh, uh, Leonard go 500 down the stretch and so that there's, you know, there's a certain amount of, of Badger fans slash people in the athletic department that want to keep him, and there's a certain amount that want to go out and get Lance Leopold and and make him Bo Ryan part two. Um, and I, I, you know, at least... It'll be interesting to see as we get into late November, December, that there's probably, you know, unless unless Leonard turns it around and the Badgers go something like 6-1 and one down the stretch, um, there's probably going to be some people that want to make either move regardless. And, and that may end up being the, the long-term question looking five years in the future is, should we have kept Leonard or should we have dumped him and gone after Leopold? It may be even more magnified if when you figure out that probably the two teams who will be fighting over Leopold the most will most likely be Wisconsin and or Nebraska. And uh, so you really could potentially see, you know, four or five years into the future if you made a mistake or did something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be brutally honest to see what, uh, what happens here. Um, the, the Badger offense looks awful, as we've seen, and the defense looks okay, but, um, you know, obviously they've got to play still some, some pretty good teams on that schedule, and and they've lost to some just okay teams. So I don't think uh, I don't think Jim Leonard changing anything is going to make Graham Mertz all of a sudden be a, uh, a 70% passer throwing for 350 and, and four touchdowns every week. So I imagine the same issues we've seen so far for the season will continue the rest of the way. And, and then it's, it's going to be the major decision of, of McIntosh's tenure. Uh, Barry ain't in charge anymore, Chris. It's your job. Are you going to keep Jim Leonard or are you going to go out and try and uh, steal Lance Leopold? For those who don't know, for those who don't know Andy, he's this Bo Ryan Part Two thing. He's slacked. He's tweeted. Now he's sitting on the podcast. What? Is, what do you? What do you explain yourself? What is this? What is this? You trying to make this Bo Ryan Part Two thing happen? What is this comparison? Because I, so, I'm not familiar with it. So Bo Ryan was the head coach at UW Platteville D3 school in Wisconsin and took them to multiple Final Fours and a couple of national titles, and then he got hired at UW Green Bay for a couple of years before the Badgers hired him after they fired, I think they fired Tony Bennett and then, or, and went right to Bo Ryan. And then obviously Bo Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they got, they got rid of Bennett. Yeah. Lance Leopold won four or five national titles with UW Whitewater in division three football, then got hired at Buffalo and did well there. And now is at Kansas in his first year. So it literally, he's a Wisconsin native, just like Bo Ryan was. He had incredible success at the Division Three level, winning national championships for a UW system school, just like Bo Ryan did. And so I think there's plenty of people in Madison who are looking at this going, Bo Ryan did it, why can't Lance Leopold do it and take us to the promised land once again? I'll simply note that if that's their reasoning, they're fucking morons. What they should be looking at is dude wins football games. Doesn't really matter where he did it. But I'm also lived in Madison, Wisconsin. There are people that's stupid who live there. Uh, Blake, I you are originally from a state that is flat, flavorless, and utterly boring to drive through, which I think makes you the most well-qualified out of anyone on this podcast to assess someone coaching at Kansas. If you're Lance Leopold, is the Wisconsin job a job you want? 
That's a great question. Um, I mean, I don't know much about Lance Leipold. I know obviously what Andy just mentioned that you know, he came from Wisconsin. He, I know he coached at Buffalo for a while. And, and to uh, clarify, he was a GA or some form of grad. He did some form of work at UW. The graduate assistant from 91 to 93. And then he was, he actually did his college, he played his college football as a quarterback at UW Whitewater. So, which for anyone who's not familiar is like an hour away from Madison. So this is a guy who spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. He's, I would assume temperamentally fairly Wisconsinite. I mean, it's tough to say. I don't know how much he likes Kansas. I mean, the thing is, Kansas is always going to be a basketball school. Um, but I mean, he's, he's having success with them this season. I know they're, they're ranked and undefeated and, um, the big 12 is kind of theirs for the taking at the moment with how poorly like Oklahoma's played. But, um, I have to imagine that, I mean, we can say objectively Wisconsin is a better job than Kansas. I would say, um, yeah, I just, Wisconsin is obviously, we don't have, we don't have to let our hatred of Wisconsin get in the way of the fact that it is unquestionably a better job. So, I mean, I would think he'd be interested. Um, I mean, he, he's got history there. It's a better job. Um, he's, he's only been at Kansas two years, though, so I don't I don't, I don't know if he's the guy that kind of guy that's just going to bounce from a job after two seasons. Um, I think he's – well, I think he was at Buffalo for – Exactly two seasons. Was he? I thought he – because he was there – he was there at – He was there, at, he, he was he there, was there in 2017. Five. He was for 2015 to 2020 as a contract extension at the end of 2020. He left for the Kansas job at, in 2021. My my fault. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Cause I, mean, he, cause I remember he played – he was coaching Buffalo when um, Fleck played Buffalo in oh, 2017. yeah, you're right. Like I say, yeah, I remember it. Because I don't think they, they weren't very good then. They, that was one of his first couple of seasons. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, I think he would be interested in the Wisconsin job. Um, I mean – it just takes a certain kind of person to bail and job two years in. I mean, not going to begrudge him if he does, but um, just kind of depends on his personality. Type. I honestly just don't know much about him, but uh, but yeah, I mean, really for Wisconsin, I think it's yeah if they want to stick with their you know the Michigan's got their Michigan man, Wisconsin's kind of got their Barry Alvarez guy. Like that's the reason they hired Crisp in the first place was he coached under Bielema, who's the offensive coordinator. You know, Gary Anderson kind of got away from Barry's Wisconsin brand of football. There they brought. Kristen to write the ship because he's you know one of us former uh, he's a Madison native former quarterback at Wisconsin so if they're if they're willing to get away from that um, I'd have to imagine they're going to pursue Lance Leopold but if they're going to stick with that mold they're probably going to see what they've got with Jim Leonard and if they play well down the stretch I mean wins and losses I don't know how much that matters but if they like how the team plays and how they looks I imagine they might just go with him but yeah, it's just it's interesting. I'll be curious to see which direction they go. It's it's hard to say. Um, I mean, I'm still shocked that they fired Chris. Like when streets start talking about, it, I was like, yeah. I mean, I guess I mean, if he doesn't have a good season, I could see him being on the hot seat next year. But I, I definitely didn't see him getting fired uh, five games into this season. So um, still just kind of wrapping my head around that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting times. I mean, uh, I will. In, in Madison. I will tip my hat. I don't have any idea if it's going to work out. Obviously, I hope with all abundance that this whole thing turns into a massive dumpster fire and we get to point and laugh for years to come. Regardless of all that, I mean, it was a gutsy call, frankly, the right call. Christ was not going to be the guy. And I don't mean that in like, 
Well, no, I guess I kind of mean that in the Glenn Mason way. Um, but probably, I don't know. Like, that's just, I don't think that's acceptable in Madison. And if it's not acceptable, you need to make a move. And they made a move. And they made a move that on paper has a few better potential out upsides than, you know, firing a dude after a bowl game on a whim because you got mad <laughs> at him <laughs> for losing again. Um, so, yeah, I have no idea how it's going to work, but gutsy call and, you know, I think probably the right one. And here's hoping it f- fails miserably. <laughs> I do, th- I do feel like this loss don't always just kind of a culmination of things. I mean, like, they ended that game with two rushing yards. I mean, if you look at that game, Bielema did to Wisconsin what he did to teams when he was head coach of Wisconsin. That was like that was a Wisconsin brand game. Like, smothered him on defense, physical on both lines of scrimmage, um, and just ran the ball down their throat with, with Chase Brown. So, I mean, to me, if you're looking for, like, a, a game to show where your program's at, I mean, Brett showed that they've gotten so far away from the brand of football that they played under him and even Alvarez. I mean, I, from an optics standpoint, I kind of get it. Um, still surprising to me, but yeah, that's what, it, what an interesting game to go out on to, especially against Bielema. And he had a chance to, I think, tie Bielema for the second most wins in program history. And now he's permanently um, in third, third place behind him. So I would imagine that some of the other things I've seen various Badger media sources, you know, call out as key, factors in Christ's kind of downfall. Um, I mean, he went without a recruiting staff for like 12 months. <laughs> what the, f- who the hell does that? Oh, my recruiting staff, you know, quits and moves on all of a sudden, all in the, like basically the same week. And I'm just going to like wing it with no official recruiting staff for a year. Also okay. one, in, okay. one of one other interesting stat is so since he beat was beat Minnesota at the end of the season in 2019, he is 1-9. And Minnesota was right, ranked in the top 10, I believe, at the time. Wisconsin is 1-9 against top 20 opponents since that game. And their one win, can anyone guess who their one win was against? It was last year. Iowa, right? Yeah. So they 1-9, and their only win was against a probably way overranked Iowa team last year. Yeah. That that all felt, feels appropriately uh, incestuous for the Big Ten West. I will say I'm going to jump back to Lance Leopold for one second, and then we'll move on. I think we may have missed a key factor in whether Lance Leopold stays at Kansas uh, it's versus going to Wisconsin or Nebraska or anywhere else. Uh, you don't have the opportunity to continue to beat Texas every year with, you know, backup walk-on tight ends for two-point conversions in overtime if you go to Wisconsin. And he would be depriving the college football world of one of its greatest yearly joys. And you have to wonder, is he that much of a Grinch? Or is Lance Leopold, you know, a fan of college football? You're forgetting something. Texas and Oklahoma are not long for the Big 12. That doesn't mean he has to leave now. He can give it two more years. That's is it two? two? Is it? I, think, I thought I thought it was two, or was this year one of the two? I think it might be one of this. Might be one of the two. Regardless, Blake, he has at least one more win after this season in him over Texas, and we as college football fans deserve that. Or once becomes Texas becomes an SEC team, he has a better chance as a Big Ten team to beat Texas as a bowl game. 
you know, so you could look at it either way. Or by that point, he's amassed such a following in the college football and uh, AD universe from his success at Kansas that nobody can explain that he becomes, well, no, that's the answer. He's Auburn's head coach. Brian Harson is definitely getting fired. Lance Leopold goes to Auburn, continues to beat Texas. All is right with the world. Wisconsin cries into its beer. That's what's happening. I have decreed it. I also don't understand the Brian Harson thing. He's been in less than two years, and he's already going to get fired. I don't. That, I don't follow them enough apparently to understand what's going on there. But Auburn. The answer. The answer there is Auburn. Auburn is the answer. the uh, the The answer with a little more context is Brian Harson didn't understand you had to recruit. To win in the SEC, apparently. He, he thought you just coached and didn't, you know, do any of the things that make you an SEC team. I mean, he came from, from Boise State, so I can't imagine recruiting is uh, that high a priority there. So Yeah, no, he, he, he apparently didn't understand that you had to recruit and kiss boosters' asses all day. I mean, Auburn is the school that gave Cam Newton multiple hundreds of thousand dollars when it technically wasn't actually legal, and they got away with it. Brian Harson doesn't really seem like the guy who's got that all figured out. No. So that's why Lance Leopold, who believes in recruiting, who believes in kissing boosters' asses, side note, I have no idea if either of those are true, um, he will go to Auburn, and that will be the solution to everyone's. For, it will create, create entertainment for everyone. Uh, Andy, I'm going to get us away. Uh, we're going to move on. Um, we're going to move hockey to the end. I want to ask Blake a hockey question a little bit later. Can you give us a quick re, uh, just run through volleyball, soccer, and more impressive golf performances? Yeah, we'll just quick start with the volleyball. Uh, you know, we were all jazzed last week coming in talking after a huge 3-0 sweep of Wisconsin, and then the Gophers went out and laid an egg and lost to Northwestern at home 3-2, uh, a Northwestern team that hadn't won a set in the Big Ten yet this year, and earned their first ever top 10 road win in program history against the Gophers. So congratulations, Minnesota. Uh, the, the Jekyll and the Hyde season is, is definitely... Uh, still going on. The Gophers bounced back and beat Iowa 3-1, to one. Um, a fact that I didn't realize that the Gopher volleyball uh, history against Iowa is similar to the uh, Gopher women's hockey team against several of the other in-state teams. The Gophers have now beaten Iowa in volleyball 49 straight times. That's 4-9. Um, so that's impressive. That's a, that's, a, that's a few times. Just a few. So uh, they head out to uh, Michigan and Michigan State this weekend, now ranked 11th in the country. Uh, hopefully they can bounce back with a couple of road wins. Uh, soccer has got to be one of the most snake-bitten teams in the country. Uh, the Gophers had a good chance to upset uh, number 9 Northwestern a week and a half ago and let the Wildcats score two goals in the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, they were playing at number 23 Wisconsin last Saturday, had a one nothing lead till the 83rd minute. The problem is, once again, you play 90 minutes, and the Badgers scored two goals in the last seven minutes of the game to win 2-1. Um, so the Gopher soccer team just needs to realize that you have to play a full 90 minutes, and maybe you'll be able to have an uh, impressive win here or there. Um, but the, the biggest story this fall, uh, we talked about it last week, is, is the Gopher women's golf team. Um, you know, they had one of the best tournaments, original, 
Uh, Luisa Maria Masonis, she went out, shot a 64 last week, 8 under 64, set the uh, all-time best record for uh, Gopher Women's Individual Team. 64, yeah, it's not really good enough. Uh, Masonis went out the, at their most recent tournament this weekend, uh, hosted the Evie Odom Invitational, hosted by Old Dominion. Uh, it was still an 8 under round, but this time it's a 62 is the new all-time uh, individual round record for the Minnesota Gophers, her second course record in two weeks, um, another second-place individual finish, uh, and the Gophers as a team had their best round ever in the third round of the tournament on Sunday. As a team, they shot 15 under, um, 62 for Missonis, 63 for the other Minnesota freshman, Isabella McCauley, uh, and several other Gophers in, in the high 60s. So... Uh, really impressive so far. They play one more tournament here uh, after a week off. They get to go down to Kansas uh, for the Sunflower Invitational, uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend. So um, great close to the fall season so far for the Gopher women's golf team. I don't think anybody saw this coming, but uh, yeah, they've got two freshmen who are uh, really impressive. So if they can continue to build on that, uh, we could be seeing this golf team making news for the next couple of years. I couldn't shoot 15 under with a scramble format and at least two mulligans paid for <laughs> and several scratch golfers in my group. Oh, well, it must, must be nice to be good at golf. I'll continue to be jealous from afar. Um, hockey. Now, Minnesota did sweep the made up team from the made up school who Andy didn't even know the name of properly last week. Um, I'm calling them Bushwood Country Club. The Lenderhead Lions. You're close. That's not quite right, though. Dang it. You got got the Lynn part right and the Lion part right. Andy, can you properly name the school this week that we just played? Uh, That would be the Lindenwood Lions. Ah, damn it. Well, I mean... I'm not going to really fault you, Blake. He 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 named it wrong, and I just rolled with it because I didn't know either. Because it's a fake school. It doesn't exist. It's like that high school that played IMG Academy last year on ESPN that turned out to like not actually be a place with a team. They were just pocketing TV money or whatever. That's what we, that's what Minnesota just played. Anyway, they got the sweep over the team that doesn't exist. Andy, how would you grade the weekend for the Gopher men against the team that didn't exist? Uh, we'll give it a good solid B. I mean, they got two wins. They uh, got a 4 nothing shutout on uh, Saturday and then came back and got a 6-4 win on Sunday. Uh, it definitely was not the complete blowout that I think many Gopher fans were hoping for, considering these were the first two Division One hockey games ever for Lindenwood. Um, but... Yeah, I'm pretty sure you have to eat a hat or something, don't you? Because, like, you said if they scored, it no, wasn't I like said, 19 to 1 they, after the weekend. I said if they lost. They did not lose. They they tried kind of hard for a period and a half Sunday <laughs> night. Um, but, I mean, I, I think part of that is, is Minnesota played, I believe, 11 freshmen at, at one point over the course of the weekend. And so they were also playing their first Division One hockey games. And, and at times they looked like freshmen. Uh, Minnesota has a couple of good 
ridiculously skilled players on this team. Uh, but you could tell they were all pressing to try and get on the scoreboard in their first couple of collegiate games. Uh, as Bob Motzko even said in his, his radio show this week, uh, they, they looked really good out there individually, but as a team, we got a bit of work to do. Um, they, they, you know, they need to realize that there's this whole team defense and, and other things like that that they need to work on. But plenty of time to do that. The Gophers got a pair of wins. Uh, Justin Close got the start on on Sunday, or on Saturday. Looked really good. Uh, Owen Bardiskevich making his first collegiate start got the start on Sunday. Didn't look quite as good. Um, I think it'll be fairly obvious from the weekend that Justin Close is by far the number one goalie for the Gophers, and we'll see the vast majority of the uh, of the time in net this season. Um, but yeah, uh, Logan Cooley. Uh, picked up two goals and an assist in his first collegiate game. Got named the number one star of the week by the Big Ten earlier today. Uh, he's he's going to be good. Enjoy the one year he's here because he will he'll be long gone um, by the time April rolls around. He'll be playing for the uh, the Phoenix Coyotes for the last few games of the regular season. Um, but yeah, the the defense. You know, Minnesota having uh, the trio senior defensemen uh, Jackson Lacombe, Ryan Johnson, and Brock Faber back. Faber with a great goal looked amazing in Sunday's game. Um, this team will be stacked, and we'll see just how it stacks up. Uh, they've got a home and home against number five Minnesota State this weekend. Uh, the talent level obviously jumping quite a bit, uh, looking for revenge against the team that's knocked them out of the NCAA tournament the last two years. Uh, but their all-world Hobie Baker <coughs> doping uh, goaltender Dryden McKay is is now gone, uh, playing in the AHL. So um, Mankato played an exhibition game and lost to Omaha last weekend. So uh, who will be their new goaltender, how that will work out, we'll see. It'll still be a... a tight-checking physical series, but uh, hopefully Minnesota will be able to break through on, on whoever's in net a little bit better than they did on, on McKay the last couple of years. I'm trying to decide if now is the right time for a hockey question for Blake. Blake, do you feel sufficiently prepared? I mean, sure. <laughs> That's not the confidence level I was hoping you would bring, Blake. I mean, they're I say I come every week with the same level of preparedness. So none. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, um, I actually feel like I've used this one on you before. So I want to, I want to give you the opportunity to redeem yourself because I'm pretty sure you got it wrong last time. Minnesota State Mankato. Their mascot is... Mavericks. There you go. I gave you a softball and you came through. I'm proud of you. The Purple Cows. Good for you, Blake. Yay, Purple Cows. It is... This is a bye week in all senses. You got a bye with an easy pass on the question. And you you nailed it. I'm proud of you. Uh, Now I've got momentum. (laughs) Coming Coming in next week. Andy... Women's team. Last week was just exhibition against the Whitecaps, correct? Yep. Yeah, they uh, they start their their regular season uh, this weekend with a uh, home series. Bemidji State comes to Ritter, 6 o'clock. 
Friday before 2 p.m. Uh, face-off Saturday afternoon. Uh, the Gophers will drop their uh, WCHA championship banner uh, prior to the face-off on Friday night. Um, and, and they've got a loaded team. They've got everybody back. Uh, you know, so far they've outscored their two. Uh, it's, it's all been exhibition, but they won their exhibition game by a combined 17-2. to two. So uh, this team will not have a problem putting the puck in the net. It will be making sure that they... Uh, can keep uh, whoever's in goal clean. Uh, Minnesota's starting uh, a pair of uh, goalies have seen action, uh, but with um, it'll be uh, Michaela Paul and, and Skyler Vetter splitting time to start most likely um, becoming you know the tandem 1A and 1B goaltenders for the Gophers this year. So um, Minnesota's job will be to score lots and, and try and keep them clean because they don't have that star goalie that they may have had the last few years. But uh, either way, the, they are ranked number two in the country heading this weekend and uh, should hopefully uh, take a couple of games from the Beavers uh, and get off to a good start. They start off with the uh, the weakest trio of teams in the WCHA. I'm sorry. Three of the four, they don't play St. Thomas till later, but they start off with Bemidji State at home and then home and homes against Minnesota State and St. Cloud State. So uh, time to get uh, get the points and get going here before you have to face uh, Ohio State, UMD, and Wisconsin back-to-back-to-back here in November. Is there any real threat, a reason to be concerned about Bemidji State um, outside of Minnesota playing off? For, for one night or two nights, uh, you know, I, obviously I'm not, there's never going to be a time where Bemidji State's going to be the team on the forefront of my mind, but I do remember the days when they had a goalie that could stand on her head and absolutely didn't matter how good you were playing, win a game, you know, single-handedly. Do, does Bemidji State have anything, any, any, any talent like that in their roster right now that can just walk away with a game themselves? Or is this really a situation where Minnesota as a team has to have some fundamental breakdowns to to give uh, give up one at home here? Yeah, I'd lean more towards the latter in this one. I mean, the Beavers always will be playing the Gophers tight. I mean, this isn't going to be a couple games where the Gophers are going to win 9 to nothing or anything like that. But, but there's no reason as long as they're playing you know, good defensively and not just playing complete firewag in hockey, that they shouldn't come away with a couple of five, two, six, three type wins this weekend. Uh, Bemidji State is, is decent, but, you know, if I had to rank them just from what I've seen out of the 18 WCHA, they're probably sixth, uh, with the, uh, the Minnesota, Ohio State, Wisconsin trio, one through three, UMD, a close four and, and Minnesota State, who the Gophers will play next week. Uh, they are a sneaky up and coming team. Uh, they beat the Gophers last year, snapped that, whatever it was like 49 game winning streak the Minnesota had against them. Um, they played Ohio State last week, the number one team in the country, and, and the Buckeyes escaped barely with two one goal wins. Um, so Minnesota State next weekend, I think, is the team that you're, you need to be watching out for is a, a lot uh, a lot more of a threat. And if you're not playing 100%, they could easily steal one from you. But uh, I think the Gophers, barring a, a total meltdown, should be able to get the sweep this weekend over Bemidji. Normally, this is where we go into predictions. We have no game to predict, but U Street, I'm I'm wondering what is your uh, feeling on the appropriate way to celebrate a bye week as a fan? Is it to kind of ignore uh, sports for a weekend and do adulting things? Is it uh, you know just take advantage of the fact that you don't have your own team to care about and binge everybody else's game? How, what do you think is the appropriate? Uh, 
direction to go with your uh, your bi week routine? Well, I'm a deeply white person, so I would say go outside and wear a lot of sunscreen. Uh, and some Patagonia too, right? Yeah, I mean, or some similarly new trendy brand and go on a hike. <laughs> I'm close to it there. I can't, I can't beat, uh, stereotypically white and sunscreen. Okay, friends. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another edition of the Sky U podcast. Uh, you know, we won't have a football game to preview this week, but we'll have plenty of other great content coming your way. Uh, shake off the funk. Uh, I'm sure we're all Gopher fans. We've been through this before. A loss isn't the isn't uh, the best, but uh, you know, as Fleck has said before, progress is not linear. So, get yourself ready for Illinois week. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat. Mm-hmm.